0: It may make sense just to get some in case it catches on. If enough people think the same way, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Satoshi Nakamoto. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of What is Your Bitcoin Story? I'm your host, Gigi, and today we have a remarkable guest joining us. None other than Joseph Tetek, a passionate advocate for Bitcoin. He's joining us today to share his incredible journey and insights into the world of Bitcoin. Joseph is a Bitcoin analyst at Trezor since 2021 and a leading figure in the Czech Bitcoin community. He's the author of three books on Bitcoin, including Enemies of State, Friends of Liberty, Bitcoin, Separation of Money and State, and Bitcoin, The Return of Sound Money. He's also the host of the Stajuk podcast, a Bitcoin-only podcast in Czech. And also Joseph is a contributor to Bitcoin magazine. Without further ado, let's dive into Joseph Bitcoin Journey and uncover the fascinating insights he has to offer. Joseph, welcome to the show. Hi, Gigi. <laughs> how how are you doing today, Joseph?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Bitcoin is doing its thing. Uh, that's always exciting. Uh, and not necessarily because of uh, the price rising, but I like how how angry some people get when Bitcoin just refuses to die and uh, <laughs> just keeps on going. So that's why I love moments like these.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. And and, and and remarking the price, I mean, t- to to my knowledge, one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin, so nothing's changed on on that parameter, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, still one hundred million sets. That's right. <laughs>
0: Perfect. So, Joseph, uh, as we always do, let's, let's kick off and, and take you right to the beginning of your Bitcoin journey. Where does it begin?
1: So, I would say it begins uh, before Bitcoin even uh, emerged in 2009, because uh, before then, I, all, I was already studying uh, the Austrian School of Economics uh, at my university and that led me to the conclusion that uh, we need to separate the money and state the classic uh, austrian authors uh, like uh, Rothbard, hayek they argued for returning to the gold standard. Before Bitcoin emerged, that was quite uh, like a depressing or depressive era for libertarians and Austrian economists, because we knew the problem, but we had no solution. And the solution that we that was the closest to what we were aiming for required a cooperation from the state, basically our biggest enemy. I mean, like returning to the gold standard. Then Bitcoin emerged in 2009, as everyone, I didn't pay any attention to it uh, in the early years. The first time I heard about Bitcoin was in April 2011, and I, I researched it just before our, our podcast because there was... Uh, an episode on Econ Talk that was my favorite podcast back then by Ross Roberts EconTalk Talk hosted Gavin Anderson in April 2011 and that's when I heard first about Bitcoin I thought it's a, it's a neat idea it's nice uh, then didn't pay any attention for a couple more more years uh, I followed uh, the Silk Road and uh, Uh, Ross Ulbricht's arrest uh, and thought that Bitcoin is fully dead when uh, Silk Road was uh, shut down and MT Gox collapsed. So uh, I didn't pay any more attention for a couple more years. And then around 2015 16, uh, as I saw that Bitcoin truly is refusing to die, uh, I started to finally pay attention. So it takes, uh, it took me a couple of cycles but that's the that's usually the story for people i had my altcoin era in 2017-18 i dabbled in all kinds of nonsense Uh, and in the meantime uh, the bitcoin maximalist movement started to emerge at first i argued with uh, the bitcoin maxis like local in czech republic also on the global stage And slowly, as uh, all the old coins crashed, uh, I started to realize uh, they are actually right and I'm wrong. So in 2020, I wrote a series of articles for uh, one of the Czech local media. And the series of articles became my book on Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Separation of Money and State, Throughout reading the book, uh, writing the book, I basically convinced myself that Bitcoin is first the only thing that matters, and second that it's our best shot at uh, separating money and state. Yeah. Then I joined uh, Trezor. Uh, I work on various Bitcoin projects uh, with Trezor. Uh, I published my third book uh, on Bitcoin. That's called Bitcoin Separation of Money and State. Just recently, it's. Uh, Or Sorry, Bitcoin, The Return of Sound Money. That's the third book. It's in Czech for now, but we are aiming to translate it into English, perhaps other languages with uh, Brains, because Brains are my publisher with these books. And yeah, so here we are. I believe uh, this is the beginning of the next bull market. I'm always open to answer all kinds of questions about bitcoin to people that are new to bitcoin or just uh, sort of confused with all the altcoins are there out there Um, but i no longer try to convince people i found out that usually doesn't work so i uh, give my message out there through podcasts writings conference talks networking and whoever listens then i like to like plant the seeds answer all kinds of questions but i no longer uh, i'm no no longer like this fierce enthusiastic uh, bitcoin evangelist because that uh, usually uh, doesn't work and people just think you're kind of crazy
0: it, it backfires. i i i share that same same view with you when, when when you try to really orange pill people that don't understand first of all how even money works they just think you're uh you're a crazy cuckoo guy trying to to show them crazy internet money and and yeah i also came to a realization that i'm always you know more than happy to to educate and, and help people you know figure their way around with bitcoin if they want that help but yeah. trying to push it down their throats is, is is a one-way direction and i guess with limited time we need to be very kind of precautious and 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 really focus our time on on, on things that really matter than you know trying to trying to convert yeah. everyone
1: definitely and also Like when people approach me and start asking questions about Bitcoin, I usually don't answer everything uh, in a long form. I just recommend resources. And if I see they uh, have the willingness to do some kind of research for them, for themselves, then I'm more than happy to follow up uh, with those people, maybe meet Show them how to set up a treasurer, how to work with like a peer-to-peer buys and sells. Because uh, in Czech Republic we have a very nice app for that that's called Wexel. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but uh, it's it's fine if people get interested in Bitcoin, but they need to do at least a little bit of a deep dive. Uh, because if it's uh, just like some speculative interest, that's very like surface based. And they just want to know how to log on to Coinbase, how to buy Bitcoin there, then I don't want to talk to those people anymore that much, because then I have seen that time and time again. They will sell when Bitcoin drops, Uh, they won't withdraw to self-custody, they will lose it on that exchange, either because their account is hacked and they don't know anything about strong passwords and two-factor authorization, or... exchange itself disappears like ftx so um, the way i see it we bitcoiners need to plant those seeds we need to make sure that the bitcoin message is out there we need to guide people to do at least part of uh, the research for themselves and they need to uh, understand what they are dealing with it's uh it's a quite quite a different instrument than what they can be used to, to from like legacy finance there, there's one very sad story circulating right now in czech media and that there, there is uh, like a 77 year old uh, lady that took all of her money out of uh, her bank accounts because she was being scammed she was being like social engineered by uh, phone calls that The money isn't saved, she was hacked, she needs to withdraw it and she needs to put it into a Bitcoin ATM and send it somewhere where they will take care of it. So that happens, that happens in Czech Republic. So the lady lost uh, five and a half million crowns, that's all uh, maybe a quarter million dollars. Uh, She took it out, out of her accounts, her life savings, an old lady, and put it all in Bitcoin ATMs and send it out to those scammers and that's uh, that's uh one of the reasons why i don't want to push bitcoin too much because she was scammed but there are also people mm. that uh get this fomo do something similar screw up uh at some point and they can be scammed as well so so uh education is a huge part of what we are trying to achieve here And you have to be sort of careful with uh, what kind of message you are giving out there and what kind of people uh, you are dealing with. Some people just aren't ready, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I mean, everything takes its time. And and as in your case and and my case, and I guess most people that are into Bitcoin, it it takes years essentially for the light bulb moment to to, to occur and, and for you to really, you know, get this enlightening moment of, of what Bitcoin technology can do for humanity more than just, you know, me, means of exchange. But I, I want to ask you, since you've been in the space for for quite some time now, we're, we're looking at more or less eight, eight or nine years now since you've been actively in Bitcoin. Over the years, how, how has your, Joseph, perspective on, on Bitcoin changed since when you started and, and where you are now, so to say, in a in, in mental framework?
1: Right. I think it's quite uh, quite the usual story at first. I was speculating on Bitcoin and the old coins as well, and my idea was uh, this will cover my mortgage. This will mm-hmm. this will pay off the mortgage. I got to that point at uh, at some point, and I found out I no longer <laughs> want to do that because I uh, during during like my life with Bitcoin, I found out how fiat money works as well before 2020. It still kind of works now, but before 2020, especially uh, during the zero interest uh, era, it didn't make any sense to pay off the mortgage. So uh, you basically find out uh, how how corrupt the fiat system is and that the usual virtuous virtuous guidelines of uh save the money for the future, don't get into too much debt that no longer works and it's uh, it's the opposite. you need to go into the debt and uh invest into some scarcer assets than uh, the fiat currency itself so like what happened then uh when i when I found out I no longer actually want to pay pay off my mortgage was I started considering bitcoin as the only real money there is. So I no longer invest in Bitcoin. I no longer speculate on Bitcoin. I just uh, earn Bitcoin, save in Bitcoin, think in Bitcoin. And uh, <laughs> I don't consider uh, check rounds or euros or dollars the money anymore. It's, uh, it's a tool for making some kind of transactions if I need to, if Bitcoin for some reason isn't accepted. And uh, it's, it's a much worse tool for, uh, for payments than Lightning Network. Like, I really hate uh, the how every uh, bank has its own internet banking. And it's it's, like the payment technology in Czech Republic is very advanced. Like you have all kinds of instant interbank transfers. You almost don't pay any fees for that. Uh, It works even on weekends and at night, you can instantly transferring between many banks can have all kinds of debit and credit cards we have apple pay and stuff but still lightning is uh, even even better than that yeah i'm not on like total zero fiat but i i like to limit my exposure to fiat uh, to the greatest extent possible nice uh, nice thing about working for a bitcoin company is that you can get paid in bitcoin and that's really switches uh, switches you mentally because then Mm, you really consider it as uh, your own money and that's what what uh, i've been writing these articles and books about because a lot of people in the west don't understand that bitcoin is definitely something much more than uh, like a fiat multiplicator uh, yes you can uh, multiply mm-hmm. your political currency units with, uh, with bitcoin but that's a fool's game because there will uh, like no matter how much you multiply your fiat uh, holdings it will get devalued to zero given long enough time timeline so that's what i'm uh, trying to instill in people people that work with this mental model are also much uh, more resilient towards scams towards for example phishing because then if Bitcoin mm. is your money that you use regularly, then you know what to expect out of, for example, the hardware wallets. It's uh, all part of like natural Bitcoiners growth to move on from this like, speculative mindset. I'm just going to make more fiat on that to Bitcoin is money. And that's uh, mm. where I'm at. That's where I see many more people arriving at, uh, given the inflation rates and even uh, the term fiat, I love that this has become sort of like a mainstream term now. During my university studies, it was used among libertarians and Austrian economists, but uh, nobody understood what what it is. They everybody thought we are talking about like uh, the car manufacturer, car manufacturer in Italy, <laughs> and now uh, it's used by uh, mainstream media, my, by mainstream financial media. That's, that's brilliant. That's a, that's a huge victory for us. People are starting to understand this distinction that there's fiat money and there's freedom money or non-state money. And that's a, that's a huge win for us. And I believe more and more people will make this journey. It's, uh, it's a little bit harder in the West where, as I said, all the payment systems work uh, very well. And the inflation rates aren't like crazy high. It's not like 50 or 60% like we see in Argentina yeah. or, or Africa it's even harder in Argentina. Uh, but people are uh, getting uh, getting the message, especially in Czech Republic, like uh, the Bitcoin community in Czech Republic, Czech Republic is probably uh, <laughs> like the most dedicated and uh, like per capita, in, in per capita means. We have a huge Bitcoin community, uh, I would say a couple hundred thousand people in a nation, wow. of, in a nation of 10 million. All the books uh, are quite popular here, the podcasts, Yeah, it's uh, uh, the the largest European conference, like Bitcoin only European conference was BTC Prague, around 7,000 people back in June. Yeah, but uh, I probably went off uh, the topic now a little bit.
0: You're free to to take it any way you want, but it, it was very interesting and... To be honest, I, I I knew there was a vibrant community there where, where we met last month in, in in Amsterdam at the Bitcoin conference. I had the chance to, to meet one of the brothers, Matai, uh, from, from BTC Prague. And I heard a lot of good things, <clears throat> but I had no idea regarding metrics that you have over 100,000 p- people. I mean, you're certainly doing a good job. And, and I think there, there, there's some kudos to you as well, Joseph, with, with all the efforts that you've done through writing your books and the podcasts and, and all the educational stuff that you provide to to your community.
1: Yeah, so the estimate that it's around 100,000 p- people or probably more is because of I run a podcast. I'm not the largest one, but I have uh, around 8,000 subscribers now, and and it's uh, just Bitcoin only and in Czech only. I'm like the second largest, I believe, and the uh, the largest one that's only in Czech and only focused on Bitcoin has 90,000 subscribers now, so almost 100,000. Wow and per capita i believe that's uh, one of the largest podcasts uh, out there uh, of course the english podcasts are uh, much larger some of them but uh, then you have mm. hundreds of million or, or a billion english speakers in the world so for the nation of uh, 10 million plus the slovakians understand czech as well so that's 15 million people we have a podcast that has uh, ninety thousand subscribers multiple other metrics like uh, the largest uh, Bitcoin ATM manufacturer, that's a Czech company, General Bytes. Uh, we have the first hardware wallet, Trezor. Uh, we have uh, the first uh, Bitcoin mining pool, Brains pool. there uh, used to be Slash pool. Uh, Brains is also a Czech company. As I said, they publish my books. Alza is uh, one of the largest like e-commerce retailers in uh, Central Europe. And uh, they are they have been accepting Bitcoin for Maybe six years now, oh, and wow. uh, as I said before, I published this series of articles on Bitcoin in 2020. That was on Alza, so they are very Bitcoin friendly as well. And it's sort of like, um, uh, like a like the largest national uh, electronics uh, retailer. Uh, they have uh, Bitcoin ATMs in their showrooms. You can buy Bitcoin through them, like in every shop, and uh, they accept Bitcoin. Uh, On chain and Lightning uh, for for years now. So yeah, like. <laughs> uh, I believe to check- sum it up, Czechs love Bitcoin. <laughs> oh yes, I'm getting yes, at. yes, yes, very much. <laughs> we do. <laughs>
0: amazing, amazing. Well, I, I hope I've never been to Czech. I'm, I'm hoping to join the next BTC Prague conference next June, and yeah, to 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 see it for myself and 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 definitely uh, meet meet some of your other community members and and kind of you know feel it for myself because. What I tell a lot of people that are, you know, kind of unsure about Bitcoin, I tell them, you know, get a little bit and test it out, you know, get a feel for yourself. Because if you don't try something for yourself, there's no matter who preaches what or, or tells you, you need to go out and as humans, we need to experience things. So uh, this just makes me much more bullish for, for next year. So that that oh, yeah. was v- v- very Interesting insight, um, Joseph. Let me ask you now another question I had in mind. Um, so since you've been in, in the space for, for quite some time, what would you say currently where we stand? What are some of the biggest challenges that Bitcoin is facing
1: at the moment? Sure. I would say it's still, uh, the Lightning Network UX. Mm-hmm. Um, contrary to what many people think, the Lightning Network, network fees aren't that divorced from the on-chain fees. It's uh, it's, a, it's a different or it's a, it's an interesting market dynamic, how the on-chain fees influence the uh, lightning fees, uh, but it is uh, it is very uh, entangled. Over the years, I, I came to the conclusion that lightning at, the, at its uh, current state, it's very good that we have it, but it's not the end solution for scaling. So we mm. need to keep on working on lightning. We probably need something like CISA, uh, cross-input signature aggregation, which uh, unfortunately isn't still possible with uh, current tool- toolbox that Bitcoin has, because it won't be workable for everyone to uh, open and close their Lightning channels. We have to do it collaboratively, so that, for example, 50 people at one point, manage their channels in one transaction, and then the on chain fee is spread among those 50 people. That's uh, that's where I think mm. uh, we need to go. But I'm not uh, like uh, John Carvalho would probably uh, call bullshit mm-hmm. on that because he always says, like, uh, people that don't understand it on a deep technical level shouldn't uh, make these predictions. So <laughs> uh, I, uh, I recommend following uh, John uh, definitely because uh, he says uncomfortable things. That needs to be said, and he is usually proven right over time. And he's quite a skeptic on Lightning. But well, Lightning works right now. Lightning, Lightning works well. And if you have the foresight to uh, do the channel management while while fees are low, then it works fine. But in a high fee environment, uh, people tend to go to the custodial Lightning tools mm. like wallet uh, of satoshi and stuff like that so and that might be that might be a systemic risk for bitcoin like this custody lightning it's not just yeah uh, i believe like uh people will be drawn toward custody lightning until or unless uh the ux improves and unless we can uh s- sort of collaboratively work on this uh channel management if you, if you know what i mean so uh, that's yeah. that's my uh that's one of my concerns that Bitcoin basically isn't ready for any like really huge wave of adoption. Because if that happens, if some kind of major currency. But a bottleneck the system. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge bottleneck. And what happens then is people will just work with custodial solutions, which, uh, which just so brings a in <laughs> this uh, systemic risk. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good
0: idea. It, we we've had so many rug pulls before, may that be exchanges or yeah, and any custodial solution that even kind of you know as 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 I like to say, the number one rule in Bitcoin is not not your keys, not your coins. And then kind of to push people to use custodial solutions, yes, that might be convenient, but convenience also comes with a price. That one day you might you know want to open your wallet of Satoshi and uh, nothing opens up, right? So yeah, so I guess yeah. We need to improve and 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 go to, to to new spectrums. But I totally agree with you, Joseph, on that. That I mean, it's it's hard to even get people to buy their first you know bag of sats, let alone to tell them, oh, go ahead, you know, set up your lightning node, open a channel with this person, close the channel, manage it, you know, add liquidity. It's like a science of its own. And the average person in the street, or for example, the 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 sad case that you mentioned about this seventy-seven year old lady, she's never going to be opening a lightning channel, right? So we need to find something that's user-friendly and, and easy access but at the same time has the safety aspect which custodial solutions don't really have so i agree with you on that that new, new ways need to go i remember from last month's conference blockstream had an announcement with green light that they're kind of i haven't looked too much into it i don't know if you have but they're kind of trying to ease out this this uh solution of opening and closing channels i don't know exactly how it works but it was nice to see that you know kind of new you know uh new ventures are going into making it more easier and viable for the average user to use lightning
1: oh yeah definitely um i'm i'm an optimist on lightning i'm not uh, i just don't want people to have the impression that everything is uh, solved now that we have lightning and correct and it works most of the time quite well it works uh, it works fine with i don't know how many real Bitcoiners using lightning and managing their channels uh, there are right now. It's, uh, it's not that much. So if, uh, I agree 10 X the number of people uh, doing what we do, then there's going to be a huge bottleneck. Uh, the fees are going to be like over 1000 sets per virtual byte, which is, uh, which makes a lot of, uh, Bitcoin unspendable, a lot of UTXOs unspendable. Uh, that's one of yeah. one of the things I've been trying to explain to people for years now to, uh, learn uh learn about uh utxo utxo model and to to take uh, take care about uh how large the individual utxos are because it's nice if you uh dca for example uh weekly Mm. uh that's that's all good if you DCA weekly into your trezor into your hardware wallet that's all fine but if you uh, create like fifty thousand sets UTXOs for yourself you're in trouble uh, even now when yeah. the fees uh, rose to like two hundred sets per per virtual byte that would be that would be a huge chunk of a fifty thousand uh, set UTXO and. Yeah. Then people find out <laughs> their precious stack is uh, basically unspendable because they have they they have it <laughs> in these uh, little chopped up uh, UTXOs. Yeah. So that's why I think if you do self custody, you, you there's a learning curve, and we should be honest about that because you cannot really abstract uh, away the UTXO model uh, if you do self custody uh, in a cold storage mm.
0: uh
1: lightning is sort of different but then then again sort of depends with what kind of tools you work uh, if you are going to open a lightning channel you should aim for a couple million sets uh, uh, of size of the lightning channel yeah if you do the dca to your lightning channel and want to swap it into the on chain into the cold storage you should do so once there's at least 1 million sets in the channel and stuff like that. So uh, we can improve some of the UX through abstraction and through um, not asking the user for every little thing. Uh, coin control usually isn't that important for uh, most users, even though it's very good mm. to know about that. But uh, the UT exercise itself, uh, that's tricky. And that's, I believe, one thing that people exercising self-custody should really know about. And I've been thinking about that for the past couple of days in terms of whether people can actually like grasp that concept, because it's quite different from how current money works. And mm. I believe they can, because um, when the personal computer era came about, nobody knew about like disk spaces and how large the files are and we all learned that i don't know if you want to attach some file to your email, it has to be less than 10 megabytes, for example. If you have uh, like yeah. a 500 gigabyte hard drive, then and you want to download a game that's 100 gigabytes, you need to check whether there's actual space, and uh, the computer tells you, and you sort of know what it's talking about. And that mm. uh, sort of mental leap needs to happen with. Bitcoin self-custody and the concept of UTXO and the transaction size and sets per virtual byte. It might sound intimidating now, but that, that was the case in the early early 19s in, uh, in terms of computer and all the new terms that came with that. So I'm optimistic on this front as well, but we need to do the job as Bitcoin educators to explain that. And some people have this tendency to... Think that it can all be abstracted away, but if you hold your keys, nobody can do that for you. Uh, You should do your (laughs) UTXO management then. So that's, that's, uh, that's 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 my sort of pet peeve: the UTXO management size.
0: I like it. This is the first time out of all the guests that we had so far, and this is episode 224 that we're recording. We, we've never talked about UTXOs, and, and I agree with you, that's something super important, which people really need to grasp. And as you said, it might sound a little bit intimidating or complex at the moment, but as you said, in the beginning of computers, everything was complex. So going, this goes back to we need time, right? Um, yeah. With time, people will will learn, will adopt. But yeah, my my my, my next question, be, being an optimist that you are, uh, Joseph, what are your hopes for the future of Bitcoin, and, and how do you see it impacting the world?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. In my latest book, The Return of Sound Money, I dedicate quite a quite a large chunk of the book to to that question. Yeah, to that question. <laughs> to not not predicting the future because uh, I yeah. hate when economists do any kind of predictions. But sort oh, of no,
0: Im- impacting in your own opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah.
1: I believe, first of all, that Bitcoin is money. Bitcoin is sound money. And Bitcoin is the separation of money and state and the return of sound money. I mm. play with all these terms and it, it's all interchangeable, basically. What that means in the end is that fiat will lose to Bitcoin. And Bitcoin will become the global non-state money and we will finally fake the financial monetary monopoly out of the hands of the state, which I believe is the best step forward for mankind as such, because there have been multiple books written about what FIA does to the society in terms of war, in terms of uh, this huge uh, redistribution of, of wealth, the loan effect and stuff. And if we get rid of all of that, then we really unlock the productive and creative potential of mankind of billions and billions of people so then what that means is if we have no permanent inflation the current inflation targets uh, usually are two percent they cannot keep even that but if we have instead of this permanent inflation we have a gradual deflation the growth deflation Mm. as uh, i believe nick batia calls it then this totally turns like our way of thinking about money and the future and our time preference on its head uh, uh, contrary to what it is right now so we as individuals will start saving more we'll we'll adopt uh, like a more future future looking mindset throughout history we have seen that civilizations that had a sound money and had this like low time preference outlook and were more based on saving instead of like credit markets were the most prosperous were the most Mm -hmm. peaceful had the best art that ever came about did the like largest technological leaps forward so yeah i believe like many people are pessimistic about mankind's future because uh, of uh, What's happening de- depleting resources and pollution and yeah. uh, stuff like that and i believe that fundamental misunderstanding of human nature because if we unlock this potential that like the fiat is locking us in if we get rid of uh, the fiat chains and if we unlock this potential adopt this low time preference mindset that comes naturally with some money then the real fun starts in terms of uh, civilization in terms of Clean, clean technology in terms of leading just healthy life with healthy relationships. And yeah, it, it might sound naive, maybe. I make much better case for that in the book. Lynn Olden <laughs> and and Dean and Mick Patia and Jeff Booth, they make like a, a really convincing point on that. Yeah, so that's why I'm very optimistic towards the future. We haven't tapped the potential of mankind and of individual productivity and creativity at all so far because we sort of did like until 19th century when the industrial revolution was taking off but then we sort of locked ourselves in in this fiat cage. And Lynn Alden in Broken Money makes a very good case, uh, point about why that actually happened, because I'm just reading that book and I really love it, so I want to recommend it. Uh, and uh, Lynn Alden's case against gold is that once we were able to increase uh, the transaction speed to speed of light with a telegraph, and then with a mm-hmm. telephone and an internet, suddenly the settlement speed of gold was insufficient. So we needed to we needed to abstract the currency settlement from the monetary settlement. There were like fractional reserve systems before that. but after nineteenth century and after the invention of uh, communication technology, where uh, you no longer had to physically travel to perform some kind of transaction because yeah. everybody always needed to travel to hand over some message that uh, this account is uh doing that uh, so when we uh multiplied the speed of uh, transaction uh, and the gold remained on the same train ride speed basically then we needed to get rid of gold and that caused a lot of lot of trouble uh because uh, the fiat currency era then began in full and with bitcoin We finally found a way how to match the speed of uh, the settlement with the speed of the transaction Uh because we can settle the value in Bitcoin at the same time as we are doing the transaction. So the Bitcoin transaction is a settlement as well. Whereas uh, with legacy Mm. finance, you have the transaction that can be immediate at the speed of uh, light. But then, in the background, the banks need to settle their account. the Swift, the international Monetary settlement systems, they need to settle that like what intermediary need. banks, yeah, all the metal uh, that's why it. the system gets uh, so centralized why the mm. underlying value got first abstracted through like currency units, through banknotes and uh, accounts, then digital currency units, and then the bankers and the politicians got rid of got rid of it at uh, in the end, uh, and now there is no real value in the in our monetary systems because because it couldn't keep up technologically, and Bitcoin matched matched that finally. That I believe is one of the best points about Bitcoin that I have ever seen. And yeah, that's why I really recommend Lynn Olden's book because it's brilliant. It's uh, It never came into my mind. I always thought uh, it was this conspiracy of like the financial banking sector and the politicians because it's uh, it's their incentive to make money out of nothing and they create this country on effect. Mm. But she makes the point, okay, that might be true, but why did that happen in every state, every country in the world, no matter whether they were like a small state a democratic classical liberal or whether it was like an auto- authoritarian state and the mm. the case is that gold simply couldn't keep up it's not portable enough for the technology technological age and bitcoin finally matches that so that's that's beautiful
0: Wow, uh, what a way to 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 sum that up, and and yeah, definitely the 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 Lynn Alden's book is uh, is on my on my reading list to to do, and and now after this conversation, definitely it'll be the next one in line to 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 read. I'm currently just finishing off Crypto Sovereignty by by Eric Cassel, mm-hmm. and, and that's a very nice philosophical Bitcoin book. I wouldn't recommend it to someone that's just getting started in Bitcoin because they uh, they might take it differently. But people that are in the space for a while, it's. Uh, it's definitely a very interesting read but yeah definitely uh lin alden's book is next on the list and definitely you mentioned jeff booth i mean the price of tomorrow is a fantastic book that people should definitely read where you know kind of one day once we you know transition to a bitcoin standard and and where you are as you said you're incentivized to be saving more and prices are actually going down you're getting paid less but your purchasing power is more the average person cannot comprehend that and i mean at the moment it's all about you know, when am I getting my next pay rise? You know, how much more extra money can I make? But the inflation is outpacing all of your increase in salary. And essentially, you're working more, making less, you're unhappy. So yeah, definitely, the fiat system needs to the house of cards needs to collapse, I hope sooner than later. And we need to to move to more prosperous and, and more call it sane future yeah. with sound money. Yeah,
1: definitely I recommend Jeff booths book as well the concept of growth deflation as he explains it it's it's part of the puzzle for understanding Bitcoin mm-hmm. definitely. yeah
0: perfect well Joseph I'll, I'll ask you one last question as I as I do to to all of our guests that we have at the show what is one piece of advice you would want to give to someone who is new to Bitcoin essentially who is looking to get started one piece of advice... And he's asking for your help. Just, just, just to clarify, he's asking for your help, Joseph. He's he's not just a random person on the <laughs> yeah, street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Well, I think the most crucial piece of advice here is uh, focus on Bitcoin. If that's uh, obvious to the person, I hope it is, then it would be self-custody or Bitcoin. Take the keys into your possession. You don't have to use the hardware wallet at once. If you have just $100 worth of Bitcoin, maybe set up a Phoenix, and then mm-hmm. uh, as you as you stack more, I always give the recommendation. If you have more than $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, it makes sense to buy a purchase, buy a hardware wallet. Trezor Model One costs around $60, so that's six percent of. Uh, thousand dollars that's that's fine that's uh that that's a good cost uh ratio S- small price to
0: pay to sleep like a baby at night yeah right?
1: and uh, always uh also a good uh recommendation that bitcoiners do is Think about your stack as if it was 10 times uh, more, like ten t- worth 10 times more. So if you have $1,000, consider that it might become $10,000 pretty soon. That might happen in Bitcoin. And then $60 for the hard wallet is a very good uh, price to pay. And you will sleep soundly at night and just never keep it on the exchanges. They might, they might uh, seem nice now. They might seem like they have everything figured out. Like Coinbase, Binance, the largest in uh, largest uh, institutions. Like FDX, yeah, they... yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you, it's the turkey problem, like uh, the Nasim Taleb's uh, Thanksgiving turkey. It might seem fine for one thousand <laughs> days. They are, they are, pampering you. They they are feeding you. <laughs> you are their very precious customer. But then everything just goes to hell uh, one day. <laughs> so just yeah. withdraw those sets of the exchanges at least to like an open source uh, mobile wallet. Uh, you mentioned Blockstream, Blockstream Green, that's a very solid wallet. Moon is fine. Phoenix for Lightning is great. And then Sparrow Wallet, Sparrow wallet yes. And then no. make the progression towards hardware wallet. Once you make that, keep in mind the UT exercise, learn a little bit more about that. And then, yeah, then you're kind of uh, set and you're, you're, set. You're ahead of 99.9% people in this world, I would say. <laughs>
0: Perfect, jo- Joseph, that, that, that was that was very good advice. Most of the guests, they talk about education, but you you kind of you stepped it forward. You, you kind of get the step by step guide <laughs> what they need to do. So definitely I, I, I would say so far this this was the best recommendation for, for people that are looking to get started with Bitcoin. Joseph, I'd like to thank you again for for taking the time. And, and it's been a pleasure meeting you and, and and having you on the show today. Where could we send our audience to to follow you and, and learn about? more about your development yeah the best
1: would be my twitter account it's uh, at uh, josef tetek my name yeah that's it i have a i have a author profile on bitcoin magazine as well you can find it with my name so yeah if you google my name it's quite uh it's quite unique so you will find everything that <laughs> i do
0: perfect Joseph, thanks again. It was a pleasure. I I hope to definitely have you back in the future on the podcast as we delve further into the the Bitcoin sphere. Um, And yeah, and hopefully see you next June in BTC Prague. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, wishing you all the best with all, all your endeavors.
1: Amazing. Thank you. It was a great conversation. Until next time.